1: Welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here once again as we are now a couple days into the French Open. A lot of good action in every single draw. And our guest this week on Tennis Channel Inside In has been an analyst at TC since 2013. Had a pro career that spanned over two decades, won 55 doubles titles, got that top ranking in the world, and three major titles including Roland Garros in 2007. By way of the Bahamas, it's Mark Knowles on Inside In. Mark, thanks for joining the show.
0: Uh, thanks, Mitch. Pleasure to be on. Uh, exciting times right now.
1: It really is, really is. I know. You uh, know, you're excited for a lot of reasons, especially. But it's a major. It's a major that you're on site for calling matches, and there's fans in the stands. So it's been a very long time since I could say all those things. And uh, I know you're pretty, pretty amped to be on the ground and seeing the atmosphere, the buzz for this high quality major tennis.
0: Yeah, it's really a special time. I mean, it's great to have the fans back. Of course, there's a limitation with only uh, 5,388 allowed in. But, you know, it's up to a maximum capacity of 1,000 per court. And I, I really think it's provided a great atmosphere for the players. You know, we've seen some good matches when you think of some of the French players like Monfils, who thrives when he has the fans watching. He was able to pull out his, his first round victory. Wasn't successful in the second round, but it, it creates a great atmosphere, right? You, you come to the French and... Obviously, you want to see the big players like Serena Williams, Federer, Nadal, all of those players play. But when you watch a Frenchman play with the crowd support, you get some really unique atmospheres and, and the energy that kind of reverberates around the grounds is incredible.
1: It really is. And I've noticed it as well in the small and outer courts. And I think maybe that's what I've missed or, or taken for granted in the past As you get those, you know, want to say like a little rowdy crowds where it's. The, the fan favorites. I saw Fognini play yesterday in front of a lot of younger people that were amped to see him. And that's kind of the stuff that I missed watching tennis. I mean, props to all the tours and professionals for making it work, but you get to see that environment, yeah. even on the side courts, it could be just incredible.
0: Yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. Those side courts, you know, they kind of have the intimate atmosphere, kind of a mini stadium y- yesterday. They actually had a very unique situation, which obviously is only due to the pandemic times that we live in. But Uh, Fellow Bruin Mackie McDonald was engaged in a battle against Christian Garin. And at six all in the fifth, after about four hours of tennis, you know, they had obviously the the ambiance, the atmosphere had built. There was a number of fans there watching, great atmosphere. And then, you know, there's a nine o'clock, 9 p.m. curfew here. So they made an announcement that they actually stopped the match for about eight minutes. And the players just sat down while they cleared out the stadium, which was Awfully bizarre, right? When you're when you're engaged in a battle like that, even from a player's perspective, right? So you obviously want to win those matches. But even if you don't come out on top, those are the matches that you remember the player, you know, playing late into the night, maybe on an outside court, more intimate atmosphere, engaged in a battle. So, you know, you you get unique uh, situations at Grand Slams, which are always special.
1: That curfew really did, you know, the curfew setting has been uh, poking its head out since Australia, and we've we've seen it now at the French Open. It's tough. It's a tough adjustment that hopefully we're almost done with, but, you know, props to the players for adjusting. I know Mackie McDonald, the Bruin, was on the the wrong end of it yesterday. There's a lot of Bruins in this draw, which we're going to get to in a second, but one of the standout things as well, Mark, is the fact that we talk about all, all there's all these favorites and you know it's it's top heavy on the men's side and the women's side has been dominated by a couple players but you get into a major and i think one of the things you forget is the fact that these are for the men best of 5 women still best of 3 but there's a lot of unpredictability in those first two rounds it's pretty exciting just to see some upsets happen and some surprising results and we've had no shortage of that first i mean right from the get go you've seen seeds fall on both sides and it kind of reminds you that this is the biggest tournament for everybody
0: yeah, I mean, it's also the beauty of three out of five, right? And mm-hmm. it's what makes these Grand Slams so special. And, you know, especially on the men's side, it, it really highlights and underlines how great the big three have been, right? We, we know about yeah. their dominance in obtaining Grand Slam titles, but something that gets overlooked a lot is how consistent they are in these events. And when you see a tournament like this, when you have the next generation of stars, when you think about Dominic Team losing in the opening round, you think about Zverev going five sets in his opening match, you know, Tsitsipas being engaged in some battles, Rublev going down in his first match, right? These are the next generation of guys that are going to win majors, but yet it just goes to show that there's still quite a disparity when you talk about consistency in the majors. Obviously, we know it as far as securing the crowns with the big three with 2020 and 18, but to me, it just, the one thing that really stood out to me in the first couple of days is seeing those upsets on the men's side um, just incredible, and, and we're seeing it also on the women's side, which we've seen obviously more upsets on the women's side, but still continually slam after slam, we see some of the big names go out early.
1: Yeah, they've spoiled us with how we just assume the top seeds all the way always get through, and that isn't the case even from the get-go. You mentioned Rublev sits a, a Rublev and team out. Some other upsets uh, brewing as well. One of the things about the tournament, Mark, and I wanted to get your opinion on having been involved in the game for so long, is it's always a matter of what the conditions are at each tournament. And they can vary, obviously, by surface, but also through the years within individual tournaments. And every report out of Roland Garros, out of Paris, is that it's a quick condition that the courts are moving a little quick. Could you expand on that, what that might mean for the, for the casual tennis fan and maybe who that might favor in a tournament like this?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm sure for the, the casual fan, they probably get a little bit confused when they hear us get a little bit technical about the conditions and how it affects certain types of players in the way they play. And, and really, it's been, been very hot for here. It's been very dry. There's been no rain yet, fingers crossed. So, you know, the conditions are very dry. And when they're that dry, it's much faster. The ball goes through the air a lot quicker. You get a lot more bounce, a lot more spin, so the ball will go higher. When you think about some of the big servers like uh, Isner and Opelka, this is perfect conditions for those guys because, you know, they're going to serve big all day long. It's going to play fast. They can hit bigger from the ground, do more damage on the return. You know, and and also when you look at somebody like Novak Djokovic, right, he was playing great tennis uh, last fall at Roland Garros, and then he ran into a buzzsaw, obviously, in Rafael Nadal. But in those conditions last fall, it's very hard to go up against Nadal because, he defends so well. He has power from all corners and it's just hard to go through him. When the conditions get a little bit faster, I think it, it helps. Not that it favors anyone against Rafael Nadal because that's never a good matchup, but clearly you, you want to, you want it to be a little bit faster. If you think about guys like Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, when they're playing against Nadal on the surface, you know, they need to get a little bit of value for some of their big shots and. You know, even for Nadal, he, he actually prefers, if he has a choice, obviously he's great in all conditions here, but he prefers actually when it's a little bit warmer as well, because, you know, that heavy topspin on the forehand, that gets even more height after the bounce and more spin, which makes it very problematic for a lot of his opponents. So, you know, it's interesting. And I think in looking at the forecast, I think we're going to have a couple of showers over the next 48 hours. But outside of that, it looks to be a very dry tournament Um you know, in the high 70s, low 80s. So it'll be interesting. You know, we've seen in years past, uh, you know, I remember back to the Federer-Nadal final a couple of years ago. uh, Sorry, semi-final. We were looking forward to that match. And then all of a sudden a crazy windstorm came in and, you know, really affected the level of play and especially hurt Federer's chances. So, you know, we hope the wind stays down. We hope it stays warm. And, you know, I think we see some of the best clay court tennis when those conditions are, are around.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the big servers, especially uh, Opelka and Isner. Isner has been open about the fact that he loves playing clay court tennis when it's fast. And on some of those side courts, well, he's got of pass tomorrow, and it's not exactly ideal. It's night match center court. So I agree with you. The top players can just adjust and adapt, but the conditions are, are yeah, going to favor people.
0: Yeah, really interesting you brought that up, right? Another thing that fans probably don't realize is, you know, you play on some of these outside courts, and... Outside of the lines, it's much smaller than the big courts like Chatrier and Suzanne Langland. So, you know, unfortunately, you're right. That, that's kind of a bad court draw for Isner and also to play at night where it'll be a little bit slower. And I think for him, he would have preferred, hey, put me on an outside court, a more intimate atmosphere where my serve's going to hit the top of the of the, of the fence. I'm going to be able to kick it into the tarp, um, you know, because you know that Tsitsipas obviously moves extremely well and we'll try to extend rallies and use the court to his advantage.
1: Can't wait to see that match, among others. Mark Knowles here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, there's been some good stories. There's been some bad stories out of the uh, tournament so far. Unfortunately, this tournament no longer includes Naomi Osaka, who withdrew. I don't want to spend as much time on it other than, obviously, to wish her well uh, on her recovery. as She deals with some mental health issues. I just think it's an unfortunate situation. I I think there's a way that it could have been handled better by all parties involved. And the fact that there is no tournament that's better off for not having her in it. So I I think that it wasn't malicious by any intent. I I don't think across the boards, but it just could have been handled a little better and uh, above all else, obviously wish her the best on what she's going through.
0: Yeah. I mean, no question. Listen, it's it's a loss for tennis. Not only you know, is it a loss for us as fans to, to watch Naomi play? She's such a great player. She brings so much to the sport. But also, it's a, it's a loss for Naomi, right? You, you want the best players partaking in Grand Slams. Even though she hasn't had that much success at the French, she's always a threat to challenge for the title and to gain more majors. So, you know, that's a real loss. I feel, I feel bad for her in that regard. And, you know, as you said, it's really unfortunate, right? You feel like you've heard stories coming from everybody has their angle. But at the end of it, we hope that she's okay. Obviously, anything to do with depression or mental illness needs to be taken very seriously. But, you know, possibly more could have been done on on both sides before, right, before taking such a drastic measure. I, I think that, you know, most sides would have been accommodating, you know, in my experiences in the past, in hearing of people that have difficulty with the press or in the public spotlight, you know, they can get, you know, they can manage it so that they're only asked certain questions. And, certain things, you know, aren't really talked about or discussed mm-hmm. uh, just for the benefit of the player and also for kind of their mental outlook. So, you know, I, I'm not sure which, which um, exercises were exhausted before the announcement and so forth. Um, obviously, from a tournament standpoint, they felt like they had to enforce the rules. And ultimately, you know, it's, it's not a win for any of us, right? Yeah. It, it's a loss for the great game of tennis. And also, like I said, you know, having been a player, I really think it's a loss also for Naomi because, you know, she's the person that wins majors. She's won a couple of majors and, you know, she's one of the best players in the women's game and an exciting star. And we're, we're not better off without Naomi Osaka in the draw. So speaking, you know, of present terms, you know, we hope she can deal with it. We hope the parties that can be, whether it be the tours, whether it be the grandsons, whether it be the tournaments, you know, the press never, I, I don't believe that they ever have, you know, kind of a, an agenda or anything like that, obviously, you know, they're doing their job and, you know, we've kind of all gone through it. Sometimes there's uncomfortable questions and so forth. Obviously, you know, she's under the microscope, like, like a lot of the major stars in many sports are. And so, you know, we hope that she can come back stronger than ever.
1: Yeah. And I I really did appreciate her statement where she said, she obviously said I could have handled it better. She got, she gets along with a lot of journalists, called them really cool as well. So you know, wishing her the best this tournament isn't going to have Osaka and 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 it also doesn't have as of this morning Ashley Barty the uh, champ from 2019 is not in she withdrew in the middle of her match down a set against Magdalene Nett. we had heard about her hip injury Mark but I guess we we didn't realize how serious it was she retires in the middle of a match and so there's no Osaka no Barty Kavitova's out with an injury as well. She withdrew. Suddenly this tournament on the women's side, which has had a lot of different Grand Slam champions over the years, suddenly it's opening up now without Barty and also the names I mentioned. Is it not just shocking that Barty's out, but the fact that we're seeing so many seats get snake bitten early?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's a confluence of events, right? You know, it's super unfortunate what happened to Petra Kvitova. You know, she battled uh, really well in her first round match. She was in a lot of trouble, saved the match point. And then, you know, obviously unfortunately had an unfortunate incident happen to her after the match. Obviously Ash Barty, she's not going to withdraw unless she's in, in complete pain. Mm-hmm. She obviously played a lot of matches. She's done really well. And you know, unfortunately her body gave out, which is which is problematic and, and unfortunate. Obviously with Osaka out, it's it's opportunity, right? Spontek's been playing some great tennis. You'd have to say she's probably the favorite Obviously, Serena has the experience and, you know, if she wins a couple matches, you know, her confidence will only grow and uh, she knows how to navigate these tournaments better than anybody. So I think for all players, you know, we saw Sloane Stevens uh, She had a nice win today against Plishkova. We know what Sloane can do, right? When she yeah. starts feeling good, when she has the right mental approach. Uh, she's a tremendous player and, she, you know, she's gone far in these events before. She knows how to win. so. I think it's a real opportunity for a lot of players, and, and we, I think you're right. We, we may see a surprise on the women's side, uh, or we may see you know Serena Williams claim her 24th major.
1: It's interesting. With the the seeds coming out of the tournament, I wouldn't necessarily say that the draws opened up in one particular section. It's been pretty standard throughout that some names have gone down. 100% agree Swiatek deserves to be mentioned with, with how she's done not just at the French Open last year, but just absolutely blistering her way to that Rome title uh, a couple weeks ago. I got to also throw Sabalenka in there. She's someone that I know hasn't had that major breakthrough, hasn't even gone to a quarterfinal yet, but the way she's playing, her power, her pace, I feel like once it happens, it's going to happen in spades. Like when she makes that run, it's going to be all the way to the title, whether that's this year or at another tournament.
0: Yeah, no question. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about the conditions and the weather and like I said, I think it could be favorable for her if she makes it into the second week. Conditions look like they're going to stay pretty dry, which would favor her. She's such a big hitter. She's got incredible weapons. You know, one thing this surface always asks you is ask you to be disciplined and be consistent, right? And that, that's been kind of her Achilles heel later in these slams, being able to produce kind of a consistent, aggressive approach um, as she kind of advances in these events. And that'll be the challenge. But as you mentioned, if the conditions are warm and fast, she's got plenty of firepower and definitely somebody to consider.
1: We mentioned Serena Williams as well. Uh, there's been that notion out there, right or wrong, that this is going to be the biggest challenge for her of any of the majors out there winning on the clay again to you know go through the hard points and the long conditions that clay court tennis brings. But on the positive side, what have you seen from her in her first couple matches? She goes three against Buzernescu, but wins that one going away. We, we know how mentally strong she is, the experience, her, her clutch serving. What positives have you seen, and what do you think she can build on as she you know, approaches that 40th birthday and still is a major threat in these Grand Slams?
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned how incredible, right? She's approaching her 40th birthday, still out here playing at such a high level. I mean, I think the thing you look for the most at this stage for Serena is how she's moving. And quite frankly, I think she's looked pretty good in the first two rounds. Is she a little bit rusty? Yeah, she's a little bit rusty. But more more importantly, she's getting through these matches. And like I said, you're talking about somebody who's won 23 majors. So the more matches she wins, the more confidence she gets. And most importantly for her is always health, right? If if she feels that she can be strong and, and be healthy, then the key to success on the surface is being able to defend, being able to get back to neutral. She has all the offensive weapons. And once again, if the, if the conditions are dry and fast, she's the best server that we've ever seen in the women's game. So that could really favor Serena as we get towards the end if she's still in the tournament. A
1: couple quick things before we get to the men's side. Just uh, some Americans that I've been impressed with. Another Bruin, Jen Brady, wins a battle today against Farrow. A couple breaks down each time. It seemed like in the third she battled back win 7-5 there. Coco Gauff makes the third round of Roland Garros for the first time in her young career. And as always, it's great to see Sophia Kennan winning some matches and enjoying playing tennis again. So a couple American stories that are worth following as well.
0: Yeah, and that's obviously a big story with Coco Gauff, right? She's had a terrific clay court season. She's playing good tennis. You know, we've all picked her as a future major winner. Um, we don't know how soon that might be. It, it may be right here, right? She's ready. She's so mature for her age great story and obviously Kennan Grand Slam champion she knows how to win she's had a little bit of turbulence kind of in on and off the court lately but same thing somebody who knows how to win wins a couple matches and then you know I'm always going to be a little bit biased with Jen Brady Um, you know I remember watching her play in college and just to see the the maturation she's made the progress she's made I mean what a terrific 12 to 18 months it's been for her so much respect for her, the way that she's kind of made the commitment to be strong physically and mentally. And, you know, she's always had that power, big kicking serve, but she's really worked on her movement. And, you know, she has the belief because she's, she's won deep into the second week of slams now. So really exciting times on the American side, as I mentioned, Sloane Stevens as well. So it could be a really fun uh, remainder where we got eight, nine more days should be really fun.
1: Yeah, that was a battle today for Brady Uh, on clay, which she hasn't historically done well uh, mentally and physically playing Pharaoh, who's a local as well. And she finds a way to get it done. Props to her for sure. And Sloan, you mentioned her beating uh, Pliskova today, moving on Mark Knowles on the Tennis Channel Inside In podcast as we look at the men's side now. And the first thing that jumped out at everybody, Mark, when the draw came out was that you had a lot of big names on one side specifically. And I know we're going to get to Roger in a little bit, but you have Nadal and Djokovic, the top two players in the game on the same side. Now, a lot of that has to do with the seeding, Nadal the 3 versus Medvedev's 2, the, whether there's a ranking or a formula system in the future, that's one thing. But just looking at that draw, Nadal-Djokovic on the same side, do you think in their perspective each, do you think that they kind of look forward to the fact that they would see each other earlier? Or do you think it is kind of a letdown that that's a semifinal matchup and not a final?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you'd, you'd have to think that I think they would prefer to play each other in the final for sure. Um, but, you know, those two guys are consummate professionals and they're professional enough to know that, you know, they're not going to be affected by the high of winning that semifinal and then maybe feeling like they get caught off guard by having a letdown in the final. You know, I think the advantage of having them play in the final is exactly that, right? You, you build up to it, you know, where your destination is. But, you know, if they were to play in the semifinal, I think both guys are so professional and understand that you've got to beat everybody, right? No, no matter when when the match is called, whether it's the quarterfinals, whether it's the semifinals, uh, doesn't really matter. Um, just kind of strange that they're all three in the same section. Uh, hopefully, we, we get to see all of the matchups, which would be super exciting. Obviously, Federer would have to play Djokovic first in the quarters, and then ultimately, if the, if the draw holds true, we'd see a Nadal-Djokovic matchup in the semifinals. But either way from a fan's perspective, anytime there's a possibility for those guys to play, it's super exciting. Um, You know, Djokovic leads the head-to-head with Nadal, 29-28, but interesting, of those 28 losses that Novak has had, 19 of them have come on clay, which is, you know, obviously not Mm -hmm. surprising since Nadal has been so dominant, but I think we constantly kind of, we gauge that matchup to see who really has a chance to beat Nadal on this surface, and really the one name we come up with over and over is Novak Djokovic and uh, lost to him in a tight three setter in the finals of Rome. And, you know, Novak's comments were that he was convinced there was just a couple points here or there, but uh, we all know that three out of five is a different animal against Nadal. That's why he's going for number 14, which is crazy, but um, you know, it should be super exciting. These guys are just, they're so special. We're, we're, we're honored and privileged to be able to continue to watch these guys play at such a high level.
1: By and large, Novak Djokovic is one of few maybe the only guy that's really not afraid of Rafa I think that's part of it mentally he knows that he just can play with him and, and can actually walk the walk there you mentioned on both guys they don't have that let down after a big win they also know how to raise their game depending on the level of competition. We're recording this before Nadal plays today against Gasquet, and uh, I'm just going to assume that he's going to get through based on prior track record. But early on in this tournament, Mark, what have you seen from those guys, the top players? I know it's early. I know it's hard to you know make comparisons or draw inferences based on some early rounds, but anything stand out with how they're looking, moving, feeling, going into the later stages of this tournament?
0: Yeah, I mean, so far they've been impressive. I, I actually called Novak's match today against pablo cuevas who is a very accomplished clay court player and cuevas played extremely well and he he just got dismantled by uh, novak you know it was a straight victory and cuevas played well I, i've seen him play a lot of tennis played against him he played a good match but you know i i would say that djokovic was almost flawless today served really well as we mentioned i think the little faster conditions favored novak so He's looked great, you know, straight set win over Sangren in the first round, which was a night match with no fans and at night, so slightly different conditions. But today he looked in impeccable form. And uh, as far as Nadal, he had, a, he had a nice win in the first round. You know, Popperin is a very good player from Australia. Popran actually was up 5-2 in that third set, had a chance to join kind of a a very prestigious list, trying to win a set off Nadal, <laughs> but ultimately admitted he got a little bit tight because of the moment he he wanted to join that list he you know everybody knows how hard it is to win a set off Nadal uh here at the French. you know, so I think that was a nice test for Nadal and thinking about his matchup against Gasquet, you know Gasquet's one of the best players, right? He's had a terrific career, one of the most stylistic players that we have probably he's on the Mount Rushmore one-handed backhands. It's so beautiful, but you know, it's a bad matchup for Gasquet and, and history will tell you that Nadal is 16 and O against Gasquet and he's won the last, I believe 27 sets against him. So in a funny world, the last time Gasquet beat Nadal, they were 12 years, 12 years old, years playing old yeah. in, yeah, playing in a junior tournament, Les Petites, which is a very famous um, junior tournament in Europe. So, uh, it's been one-way traffic there, and you know I think it's the matchup, right? The heavy lefty forehand negates the beautiful stylish, stylish one-handed backhand from Gasquet. So you know I think we're it's a nice matchup for Nadal, right? Obviously, when you when you've never lost to a guy as a professional and you enjoy a matchup, this is the kind of matchup you want. And you know, looking at his section, you know, it looks you know it looks pretty good. Um, when you you know you're always looking for danger names, guys like and Isner and Opelka guys that can shorten points and maybe give Nadal no rhythm, but you know, those guys are not in his section. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd expect to see Nadal progress through pretty nicely. Um, Monfils was in his section, but he lost, there's a young sinner, but I don't think sinner has enough variety yet yeah, to trouble yet. Nadal. So, and you know, for Federer, nice win today, right? He beat Marin Chilich, which he's, a Grand Slam champion, somebody who believes in himself. And, and you mentioned it yourself. There's very few guys that think they can beat certain players, mm-hmm. right? Chilich has only beaten Federer once, but they've had a lot of battles. And he would have thought that this was an opportunity to get a second lifetime victory against Federer, you know, realizing obviously that Federer hadn't played a lot of tennis and having lost early in Geneva, but Federer is up to the task. So that was a nice win for him. And he goes up against, uh, a lower-ranked player in the next round, Dominic Kupfer, who came through against Taylor Fritz. So, pretty nice matchup there for Federer. He'll be challenged if he gets through that Berrettini's yeah, in his section. That'll one. be, you know, that'll be a tough one if Berrettini gets through. So, I think overall, the you know the big three have looked probably as expected. Right, we we knew they'd be prepared. We knew Roger would kind of process the loss in Geneva in the correct way. Listen, he knows what he's doing better than most. So. Uh, overall, I think the the big three look great.
1: Yeah, that Federer match today. I mean, you mentioned he loses the first match to Pablo Andujar in Geneva, hadn't played in a long time. Beats Istaman, and beats Chilich, former Grand Slam champion. But in addition to that, we also saw Roger get a little feisty out there. I, I had never seen a time warning on a going to the towel mark with I think 13 seconds on the on the serve clock. So that was a quite a lengthy conversation Roger had in French. Uh, where I think he yeah. was saying basically, you could just tell me. But my what I searched online, what I found was him saying you could just tell me. Hey, speed it up a little bit. He even asked Marin in English, "Am I playing slow?" And he's like, "Not really." So <laughs> it was a little feisty today.
0: Yeah, I didn't get to see most, so I'm just kind of hearing um, second accounts of it because I was actually calling the Djokovic match. But yeah, that 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 was surprising when I heard that he he got a warning and he was a little bit testy, maybe with the umpire. So. That also tells you, you know, Federer came in saying, hey, you know, no expectations here. My mind's on the grass, but, you know, don't be fooled, right? R- Roger is not one of the greatest players of all time. You don't win 20 majors by not thinking that you have a chance to win every tournament that you yeah. enter. So, you know, as Federer progresses through the draw, as we said, you know, if the conditions are right, obviously he's not afraid of any matchup, even though, you know, it hasn't been great historically against Nadal on the surface, but He's still going to back his chances, so never disrespect the heart of a champion.
1: Would you look at the other side of this draw, Mark, as maybe the land of opportunity or you know, a, a chance for a lot of these young players to make a run with everything open? Sitsipas even said finally, in, in laughing, in joking matter, when he said you know, no one of the big three is on your side, but whether it's Sitsipas, Verev, Medvedev, who's had an interesting approach to the clay court season, a player like Casper Rude, I think this is really the land of opportunity on that side of the draw for these guys.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, 100%. Obviously, they knew right away when the draw came out. But we've had a couple of people lose in this section as well, which has kind of opened things up. And you you just got to think, who's going to handle the pressure the best, right? With team going down in the first round, no one saw that one coming. Um, Kasper Root obviously has had a terrific season. He's established himself as one of the best clay court players. Sasha Zverev, obviously, very tough to beat. But, you know, you'd have to say for Tsitsipas, he's the favorite, right? Based on form, based on ability to play on the surface. You know, Medvedev's in his section uh, in the quarterfinals. I mean, who knows? Medvedev's got a long way to go to possibly get that far, right? Yeah. He just secured his, his first ever win the other day. And now, you know, a good win over Tommy Paul um, into the third round. But there's just opportunity all over the place. I mean, Tsitsipas has a difficult matchup, right? I mean, if anything, he got a little bit lucky with, playing the night session against Isner, playing Isner in a day match on an outside smaller court would not have been a fun matchup for anybody, even Tsitsipas. So definitely opportunity. I mean, when you look, you know, you've got to say, you know, it's going to be a a Zverev, a Rude or a Tsitsipas probably that that comes through and, and makes it to the final. You have to feel pretty good about one of those three guys coming through.
1: Yeah, Medvedev's approach is fascinating because he's out there he doesn't really slide he's going to just treat it like it's baseline hard court tennis um, and, and his attitude is getting better but he was clearly miserable in all the events leading up to RG which typically doesn't result in in, in good form but he's playing better I think Casper Root is 100% a, a live underdog in that regard and Zverev is always the tricky one with his serve and his confidence there. His apex game is as high as anyone's. But yeah, Tsitsipas has to be the guy. Yeah, And maybe Isner matches, yeah. maybe that's the hardest match he'll play for a while. If he can get through John, then the confidence will grow from there.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, with Medvedev, it's just it, it's a matter of game style, right? He, he just hits the ball extremely flat. He doesn't spread the court much with a lot of spin. You know, his game just doesn't translate well on clay. That's why he hasn't had great results in the past you know, I got to say, I was honestly pretty impressed with him last night because Tommy came out and played a great first set, got up a set. He probably heard a lot of the whispers. There were a lot of people that picked Tommy Paul, if not to upset Medvedev to at least give him a long battle. So for him to come back and win three straight sets after dropping that first, I think will give him a lot of confidence. And, you know, let's face it, he's got a difficult assignment against Opelka, but you know, that's more of a hardcore player, right? He's not playing, not really playing. There's, there, okay, maybe if he gets past Opelka and Garin makes it all the way to the round of 16s, that's a clay court player. But still, he's kind of another level than yep. Garin, who's the 22nd seed. So don't discount Medvedev, obviously. You know, he's not the number two seed by accident, but his game obviously has limitations on the surface.
1: It does. Uh, you mentioned Opelka, a, a good mini run, a good clay court season for him, making the semis in Rome and now the third round. Uh, Quickly on the men's draw, I do want to give some props to some players that have made runs. Stevie Johnson, uh, a couple five-set wins there, looking very impressive. And then yet another, I mean, I don't know, this this draw is just crawling with UCLA alumni, but Garone making it through to the third round as well and uh, doing it in impressive fashion. So we've got some, some guys making their mark as well.
0: Yeah, I tell you, I mean, I, I want to go to vegas with giron after this trip because honestly how could you not pull for giron i mean he's down two sets 5-1 40 love with dimitra serving in the first round so here he is in the third round he played a fantastic match against guido pella and you know he deserves every bit of it so well done to him broke my heart yesterday Mackie mcdonald was up two sets to love had match points i mean I, i wanted to see the Marcus Giron, Mackie McDonald third round, because that would have assured that a Bruin would have been in the fourth round, which would have been really cool, really special. So that was tough, but geez, Mackie played a great match. Just one of those heartbreakers, right? Where, you know, there has to be a loser, but he played extremely well, but exciting times, right? It's Ex- exciting times for the U S players, which is even I think more exciting to see Opelka in there, Giron in there. Stevie Johnson, as you said, down two sets to love in the first round against fellow American, Tiafo battles all the way back. You know, Stevie's had a difficult year. I think it speaks volumes to how strong he is mentally to come in here probably not having much confidence and be able to, you know, it would have been easy for him to just go away based on the season that he'd had being down two sets to love against Tiafo. But he fought back, did did a great job, and then beat Montero. So back-to-back five setters. And, you know, now he has nothing to lose. Plays Carreño Busta, who, you know, he can beat, right? He's not playing one of the big three. And why not? So great effort from the Americans so far here at Roland Garros.
1: Mark Knowles on Tennis Channel Inside and a couple more things before we wrap this up. I wanted to get your thoughts, you know, because around these parts, you're kind of like a doubles legend on the doubles game. Uh, It's been it's been cool to see some of the top players playing. Uh, Unfortunately, the bad news that came out today is that the top men's seat, Mekic and Pavic are, are out because of a COVID issue. So hope they're doing well. Six titles on the year. It's unfortunate to see. But the doubles at the Grand Slam level, ultra competitive, you play for a title, it's an opportunity for a lot of players, but we're also seeing, Mark, a lot of these singles players, and I talked to Hubie Hirkosh last a couple weeks ago, and he said he loves doubles, he thinks he's, it's improving his singles game, we're seeing the singles players adapt more and play more doubles events, I'm curious from your perspective of being within the trenches for so long, your thoughts on the current state of the doubles game and some of these singles players really making their bones in it as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, what a cruel twist of fate that uh, Mekic and Pavic, the top seeds, are not able to play here. Um, COVID issue there. Those guys were having oh, – they're in the midst of having an incredible season. You mentioned that uh, – I believe you said six titles, which is incredible. They've had such a good season. Clearly the favorites to win here. Um, unfortunate that they're not able to play. But, you know, what that does is that creates opportunity, right? We're talking about opportunity. The rest of the guys in the doubles draw are going – Oh, wow. You know, the most dominant team on the year is out. So there's an opportunity. But, you know, I think doubles is in a great place. Um, you know, you got great double standouts still playing um, and you mix in some of the singles guys, which is awesome, right? Th- that's when doubles is at its best when you have, when you have the top doubles guys playing against the singles guys, it's a different skill set the way some of the doubles guys play as opposed to some of the singles guys. I think it creates a lot of excitement. And so I think it's a really good draw. Um, We had a couple upsets early. I saw today where Granoliers and Zabaios lost first round, which, you know, that's another big upset. That's a team that's really good on the clay. Um, So there are a lot of opportunities there and should be a very exciting draw.
1: Yeah, it was interesting too when nick monroe was on this show he mentioned playing doubles with a lot of the singles players the american singles players and, he's, and he kind of put it like he's the point guard like i'll put them in the position where they can do their most damage with their skill set and i'll handle everything else and i think it's it's cool to see that it's cool to see the the blending of styles the, the doubles specialists that make a great living and are experts in the game and also cool to see the fact that you can have these cool pairs like Venus Williams and Coco Goff play together. I think that's only going to grow the game in addition.
0: Yeah, I think he's spot on there. When you see the doubles guys play with some of the singles guys, right? It's the doubles guys kind of passing on their knowledge, understanding the, the game of doubles, because it is a little bit different than singles. But ultimately, it's the singles guys delivering. They're kind of the shot makers, right? They're creating a lot of the excitement, some of the big shots. So think Nick is spot on there and and he would know because he's played with some of the singles guys over the last couple of years. And, and I think he's, you know, that's the right way to approach it to, to kind of be the point guard, to kind of be the one directing traffic and, and letting the other guy, uh, slam it home.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Mark, I'd be remiss if I didn't wrap this up without asking you about working in one of the cooler things that I think anybody in tennis has done, and that's working in Dallas at Dirk Nowitzki's uh, tennis pro. I got the name right in front of me. The Dirk Nowitzki pro celebrity tennis classic and getting to work with all these athletes, celebrities, put on a great benefit for charity, raise some money as well. What's that experience been like working with uh, the big seven foot German and uh, playing some exhibition tennis with some stars?
0: Oh, it's been cool. I mean, it's, you know, it's part of, Why being a professional athlete is really fun. You know, you get to meet some incredible people. And Dirk Nowitzki, probably the most humble athlete I've ever met. Uh, I consider myself fortunate. Uh, Great to call him a friend. Uh, You know, we hang out a bit. We play some tennis. We we talk shop a little bit. And, um, you know, it's just great to kind of have somebody like that that loves the sport. He played the game up until the age of 14. You know, it was his first love. But, you know, as he'll say often, he was just too tall. Um, The basketball guys would not let him (laughs) play tennis. So, you know, he made the right decision. But it's so great because, you know, we talked even while I was still playing. And and afterwards, you know, he's the guy that would come home after games and turn on the channel. And he doesn't just watch the big names. Like he's like, man, I'll watch I'll watch a tournament in China in the middle of the night. Um, He just loves the game of tennis, you know, so to have people like that involved, it's really special because I think all athletes kind of want to share their experiences. And he loves the game of tennis. You know, he's a big fan, not just of the German players. He used to follow Tommy Haas, Steffi Graf, Boris Becker back in the day. Um, But he loves all players. He loves the game of tennis. So he's always involved, especially in Dallas, with his celebrity event, as you said. He's gotten some great pros to come in over the years. Andy Roddick supported John Isner, of course. Um, And then he always has, you know, his teammates. Luka Doncic was there last year, which was really cool kind of before we knew he was a superstar. Mm -hmm. And it's good to see these guys. You know, it's good for us, I think, because to watch them play tennis at times, it it makes us feel a little bit better about our game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Evan, Tommy, Haas. We we, we
0: don't we don't have to go on the basketball court and show off our skills. So we're in we're a bit of an advantage.
1: Yeah, exactly. With Roddick and Haas there and yourself and, and being the experts there, it's looked like a blast. And I know, it, I know he's a passionate fan. He's mentioned it time and time again. Uh, last thing on that, how did you break down like his game versus maybe Luca? I know Mike madonna has been there, former hockey star. Uh, Owen Wilson was at an event. How do you break down their games? Does yeah. anybody stand out or is it all about the same team?
0: Yeah, to be honest, To be honest, Dirk's good. I mean, like I said, he played till he was 14. So uh, needless to say, he's got a rocket. I mean, he's got a bomb for first serve standing at um, 6'11". Maybe seven foot exactly. Um, But, you know, he's got a huge serve. uh, He's got a big forehand, heavy Western forehand. Backhand, you know, he, he tries to shield the backhand a little bit. And obviously movements become more challenging. But he understands the game of tennis. He plays very well. Steve Nash, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, is very good. Uh, No surprise there. He's a great soccer player. He's great at everything he does, great footwork. So he's really good. Um, You know, Luca, Luca could could do it a couple of lessons maybe, but, um, you know, he hasn't played much in in defense and talking to him a little bit during the charity event. Uh, You know, he was coming out mostly as a favorite to Dirk uh, and to enjoy it. So he hasn't played much tennis, but obviously if he played a little bit more, he'd be better. Um, you know, so th- there's been some great players over the years. Um, trying to think who else is pretty good. JJ Berea actually used to play. I don't know if he's still playing for the Mavs, but a long time Mav. He was actually really good. He's from Puerto Rico. He grew up playing tennis. So, you know, there's a, a lot of, a lot of good players there and, and it's all for fun. It's good for a good, good cause as well. So always great when you get kind of athletes and celebrities and, and actors and so forth together. It, it provides for a good time.
1: I think it might have been Harrison Barnes who Dirk basically said, you're not coming back. Your game's just not up to par. <laughs>
0: so yeah. Just... You're spot on there. Yeah. 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 Harrison. Fortunately for him, he got traded out of Dallas. So he didn't have to come yeah. back and face the embarrassment. But yeah, Dirk was pretty hard on, on Harrison Barnes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, well, it's a great, it's a great thing, obviously. Uh, and the fact that there's going to be a pro tennis tournament there is even better. You know, Dirk's going to be, you know, all about that. Uh, Mark Knowles, pleasure talking to you. One last thing as well and uh, I know you're a, a proud Bohemian guy. The fact that, um, you know, the, the Bahamas has been hit with some issues uh, in the past, the hurricane in September of 2019. I know you've done a lot of work with relief. I know it means a lot to you. It's very commendable. But if you could just talk a little bit about what the Bahamas mean to you and, uh, you know, what we can do out there to help support and, you know, get, get back to helping uh, an area that's been ravaged, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it's been a tough time. I and mean, obviously been a tough time for everybody with the pandemic recently. But pre-pandemic we had obviously a a horrible hurricane that really devastated the Bahamas and you know I had an event in the fall of 2019 once again the players as they they always have done came out and supported Coco Golf was there James Blake Andy Roddick um, tremendous support so the players have always been great to me you know I had a foundation for about 13 years to raise funds for local charities and mostly based around children's charities and so forth and then you know the last time we did the event obviously was for hurricane relief to help with the rebuild um you know bahamas is a special place for me it's home it's where my family's from it's where i grew up it's where i played davis cup olympics still home for me you know i'm very passionate about the bahamas i love it the people are amazing you know obviously everyone thinks of it as this exotic resort but it's home for me and uh it's been great for me, obviously, to promote the Bahamas, to have all my friends, my colleagues come down to the Bahamas visit. I continue to do it. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And, you know, the people are amazing. Um, so it's it's really a special place. So any, anything I can do, you know, anytime I can do my part to support the country, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to do it. And we've been fortunate. We've produced some great athletes over the years. We've had some great track and field stars, great basketball players, you know, going back to Michael Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh used to play for the Lakers. Obviously, everyone knows Clay Thompson, but don't forget about Michael Thompson. He was the original uh, from the Bahamas. Um, you know. And then we had Rick Cox, We have Buddy Heald, who plays for the Kings. Amazing. And then we have DeAndre Ayton, yeah. uh, the center for the Suns. Um, I'm a Lakers fan, so I can't pull <laughs> for him too much. But but he, he's a Bahamian, so uh, I'm a little bit uh, pulled in directions there. But, you know, it's it's been great. Uh, Bahamas is a very sporty place. We love our sports. You know, they supported me tremendously throughout my career, uh, myself, uh, Roger Smith. Um, so it's been, it's been fantastic. I've been proud to be an ambassador of the Bahamas and presently the sports ambassador of the Bahamas. And, you know, I continue to promote the Bahamas all over the world. So I thank everybody for being supportive of the Bahamas. Everyone has always been so supportive of all our charity events and charitable movements. And, uh, you know, we welcome everyone back uh, whenever they want to come down.
1: We've done a lot of good work in that regard, uh, making a difference there. Thanks for joining me on the uh, TC Insight In podcast, Mark Knowles. It's been a pleasure, and uh, best of luck over in Paris calling the rest of Roland Garros. Still a lot of tennis to be, dis- to be played, outcomes to be decided. But Mark Knowles, thanks for joining the show.
0: Thanks a lot, Mitch. Stay tuned. There's going to be some great tennis here over the next eight days. A lot of excitement can unfold.
1: I can't wait for that. That was Mark Knowles on Tennis Channel Inside In. If you like the episode, the the entire catalog of the show is found on the Tennis Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcast. It's all revamped, all new, tennis.com, so make sure you check that out. We'll be back next week with another episode. We're on all your podcast platforms, more Roland Garros action. It'll be the business end of a great tournament. You'll not want to miss how it unfolds. For Mark Knowles, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.